The Virtual CISO Moment is brought to you by VCSO Services. VCSO Services' mission and calling is to provide quality cybersecurity and information security consulting and expertise for small and mid-sized businesses. While they are a leading provider of qualified and experienced virtual CISOs, they offer much more. Check them out at vcsoservices.com. Hi, I'm Greg Schaefer, and welcome to the Virtual CISO Moment. Scott Knauss joins us today. He is the founder and president of VCSO Catalyst and also is the owner and CEO of, make sure I pronounce this right, I'm a mouse. Do I have that right? I am mouse. Yes. I am mouse technology solutions. <laughs> thank you, Scott. So uh, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks, Greg. It's a pleasure and an honor to be here. You know, the funny thing about it, the reason why we're both laughing here is that uh, one of the things I always do right before starting the recording is to make sure that I got all of the pronunciation straight. And in, in the like 40 seconds between the end of that conversation and when we actually start talking, a lot seems to leak out of my brain. <laughs> so, Scott, if you would give us a, a history of your your track in cyber, you have very interesting um uh, track, including, I believe, working at Red Hat for some time, um, and how you got to the point of being both self-employed and also, uh, we'll talk more as the podcast goes about VC So Catalyst, but if you can give us a little bit about your story, I'd appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Rick. So I started my technical career really in the Navy as a, a nuclear reactor operator, um, but uh, about six years into that, I uh, ended up on limited duty and just before I went on limited duty, the a person that went to the, the uh, command that I was going to, uh, she came to me, she'd had this problem with her computer. And um, I had had the exact same problem with my computer like two or three days before. So I told her, you know, hey, just do this and that'll fix it. Of course, it took me hours to figure that out, right? But she comes to work the next day and, oh my gosh, you're a computer god, right? You know, she was just in awe that I knew how to fix this crazy problem that had vexed her. Um, so she goes to this uh, this new command uh, the week before I do. Of course, by the time I get there, everybody thinks I'm this computer genius. I know everything, blah, 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 blah. And I just ran with it. <laughs> I was still in the Navy. Um, I, I was there for about two years uh, before I got out. Uh, and in those two years, I, um, I learned networking. I built them two brand new networks, got them connected to the Internet for the first time. Uh, and, you know, I just... I took every opportunity I could get to learn as much as I could while I was there in the Navy. Um, got out, got a contracting job, um, did lots of uh, networking stuff with that, um, and ended up moving to Naples, Italy, uh, where I ended up working in the network operations center there for the fleet, uh, for the Navy's fleet. And, uh, you know, we did a lot of security type stuff there, cybersecurity. Uh, this is um, 95, 96, 97 timeframe. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, that was where I started, you know, getting into cybersecurity more. There was working in the network operations center. There, um, I was there for 13 years. Um, left in uh, 2013, 15 years I was there. And uh, when I left there, I went to work for the Navy's uh, the Com Commander Operational Test and Evaluation Force. Crazy long name, right? Really, it's the guys that test all the stuff for the Navy. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, and they had uh, instantiated a new pen test team to test anything that had a network connection. And uh, they had been uh, in existence for about two years or so when I worked with them. And uh, it was that was the pinnacle. That was just 
outstanding because basically we got to sit in the little dark room on shore and break into computers on ships at sea. Nice. Yes, that was that was fun. And that was when you know I really started getting into penetration testing and and just enjoying that side of it and understanding the the how to's and the ins and the outs of of that sort of uh of testing and just loving it, right? Um unfortunately things being what they were in 2013, um they had to downsize because of the sequestrations. Uh and that was when uh I kind of said, you know, I'm tired of this contracting junk. <laughs> and I left contracting. Uh and that was when I jumped and I started working for Red Hat because uh Linux had been a passion of mine for a long time. I still love it. Um, in fact, I have my RHCE exam scheduled here shortly because I keep that up because I just love it. Um, loved working for Red Hat. Um, worked for them in the States for a couple of years and in uh, Italy for a couple of years. Um, I left them. I was a, a cloud success architect. I had done a bunch of uh, cloud stuff with them, working with OpenShift and uh, OpenStack and all of the cloudy bits. Uh, but I always maintained my, my cyber stuff on the side, right? And in fact, um, when I first started Red Hat, I got pinged by someone, believe it or not, on LinkedIn. And he says, uh, hey, uh, we're, we're looking for a cybersecurity guy um, to, to help us out on this project. It was, some, it was a web development team out of New York. Mm -hmm. uh, and they were working with a, a nonprofit out of New York. And they just needed somebody to help them out, be the security guy for this uh, small project they were working on. 10 years ago, and I'm still working with them. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> see, see, LinkedIn yeah, recruiting see, actually does work. It did, you know, and, and I can honestly look back to everything that I've got in my cybersecurity business right now, my company, and it all stems from that one first contact. Um, all of my clients that I have are either uh, you know, friends of or colleagues of or they knew each other kind of thing, right? Well, hey, well, you know, Scott's a security guy. Maybe talk to him, right? Mm -hmm. And um, and that's where all of that has come from. And uh, it, when I look back at it, it's just kind of amazing, especially considering, you know, they hired me as a as a contractor basically for a couple of weeks. Uh, and then they hired me on W-2. Then they folded and the whole thing kind of, was, I could see where it was going. And that was when I decided, you know, she still needs a security guy. So I started, I'm a mouse. And uh, what's really crazy is that how I get into VCSO stuff is that I'm this cybersecurity consultant for this this nonprofit out of, out of New York. And uh, the the CEO for this, she's she's wonderful. She's like the best cybersecurity client you could ever have. They have money, and she's very security conscious and wants absolutely no questions about security at all. If I say we need to do it this way. This is the right way to do it. She will say, then we will do it. Period. There's, there's just no questions asked. It's not I a, wish a matter all of clients could be like that. You, you know, know? <laughs> exactly. Right. Um, so it's, like I said, it's, it's been 10 years. It's actually getting ready to shut down now. It was, uh, it was supposed to be a short term thing. They were doing a um, medical registry, collecting data on, on stuff. And it's mm -hmm. time now for everything to close down. So we're going through the processes of that, but um, it's been a, a, a long 10 year journey. But again, that one initial LinkedIn contact is what built my business and what got me started and going on on building my own company, right? And basically funded everything from there on to get me going. So um, that's a and then so 
the crazier bit though is once again, I just kind of stumble into something, right? I've been this security consultant for her for, for five, six years or so. And I'm, you know, on LinkedIn again, probably. And I see something about vCISO, vCISO. What the heck is a vCISO? So I start reading about vCISOs. I'm like, wait, that is what I I have been doing for the last six years. (laughs) Exactly. It's just okay, time to retool my website. And, you know, I started looking at that way. And then from there was when I picked up the other two clients uh, with vCISO contracts. So, and then rolled her into a vCISO contract. So, uh, and they're all, they're small, they're web developers for the most part. Um, my clients, um, they, they don't have a great deal of needs, but when they do, they really need somebody. Right. Um, and a lot of it is, uh, you know, um, questionnaires and whatnot from clients and, and how to deal with some of those. And uh, uh, most recently dealing with, um, Scott, we're using LastPass. Should we get rid of that? Hmm. Ah, but now KeyPass is the last pass of 2023 because apparently they just had a breach. So. Yes, they it's, did. I saw that. It's, it's, I saw so that you go from week, one to the other. So, well, um, interesting path. I, we'll talk about uh, the CISO, CISO, CISO catalyst, depending upon how you want to pronounce it, uh, in just a moment, as well as um, what you think are some of the threats to small, mid sized businesses. But we got to listen to something from Bitdefender first. Okay. Bitdefender provides cybersecurity solutions with leading security, efficacy, performance, and ease of use to small and medium businesses, mid-market enterprises, and consumers. Guided by a vision to be the world's most trusted cybersecurity solutions provider, Bitdefender is committed to defending organizations and individuals around the globe against cyber attacks to transform and improve their digital experience. And if you wouldn't mind clicking on the Bitdefender link in the show notes, that helps us keep the podcast going. It's not totally free, so would appreciate your support. So, Scott, all right, we're talking about now your career path, and and we have not yet touched on VCSO Catalyst. I'll pronounce it the way that I'm used to, and you can pronounce it the way you used to. But I want to start first with what would you say, um, having now provided this sort of consulting for small and mid-sized businesses for quite some time, over 10 years now, um, is a, today is the most significant threat to small and mid-sized businesses from an information security perspective. So I'll hit on two things. The one that has historically been the biggest problem is, is phishing and ransomware, right? Especially with Mm -hmm. the small guys because, you know, and training, right? Um, Again, my, my one client there in New York, she's been easy because I tell, tell them, you need to do it this way, and they do it that way. Don't click on these links. Okay, we won't click on these links. They're small, too, so they only have like six people was the max when they were when they were fully plussed up. Um, but the other ones are, are mostly developers as well, too. But still, the phishing emails, especially now uh, with the dreaded AI, uh, are starting to get you know all of our our tooling that we have and all of our, our rule sets and training that we've given everybody to make sure you look for this, that, and the other are kind of blown it's out the window, right? It's out the window, right? Exactly. We talked about so, that on the podcast just a couple of days ago. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but honestly, the thing that um, is occurring to me here, and this has really just popped into my head in the last couple of weeks or week or two um, is that AI is one of the things that is most on my mind, but, not as much just for phishing, but from the coding standpoint, right? I, I personally, you know, I 
I enjoy coding and goofing off. I maintain a couple of um, open source projects on the side just for fun. Um, and uh, I like solving programming type problems, right? Uh, so I have played with the idea of ChatGPT, write this for me. And it kicks out some pretty good code every now and again. Um, so, and then combine that with uh, two different things I've seen in the last week. One of them was an article within the last day or two where somebody uh, took the uh, ChatGPT and trained it on the dark web. Uh, they ran it through um, uh, a crawler that just crawled across the dark web looking for things, right? Uh, and then uh, in the last day or two, uh, there was something about um, the Visual Studio Code marketplace. Did you see that? No, I did uh, not. There was, yeah. So they are, uh, if you haven't used Visual Studio Code, right, they've got all these extensions that make using VS Code super easy. My favorite one is an SSH extension, right? So you want to work on a server in the cloud. Um, it, it creates an SSH connection to the server. And it's just like you're there, right? So you've got a terminal that's in the uh, on the, the cloud machine and you've got the file explorer. So you can just go dig down through and edit files. It's super easy. Um, mm -hmm. But they've got all these different extensions for, for doing different things. Well, somebody started putting malicious code into those extensions. Oh, joy. And yeah, right. So there's a tons of developers that use VS Code, and it's not just Windows developers. I mean, it's got extensions for PHP, for Perl, for for everything. I use it for for my stuff, dealing with containers. They've got container plugins and all these things. And the first thing that popped into my mind is someone is going to put an extension in there that leverages an AI and creates some kind type of um, supply chain attack. Yeah. Yeah, because right. with a supply chain Inserts attack code. using AI, it can actually then monitor how it's doing, if you will. I think I did read an article similar to that about using AI to to basically monitor how the attack is going. Um, and that's yeah. scary. That's very because then it can make its own decisions on on to turn left or right in the network, for example. Well, what was scarier would be if it managed to insert code into whatever the project was, and then manage to hide it from the developer until build time. And then it gets built and sent out with whatever malicious code in it. And the builder doesn't ever even see it. Which is a, a, probably a good reason why even more so than ever, we need to ensure good code uh, quality control. So code reviews, yes. testing, you know, both, both team code reviews and, and also automated and just and then and then reviewing the product after it's compiled make sure it's working and and even then that's not going to guarantee that something doesn't get by no. so no. yeah no i think those are significant threats and fortunately there are folks that can help small and mid-sized businesses with security advice and yes. that's where we get it back right. into the v the vc so thing so um why don't you walk us through, I, I obviously know a lot about the history and everything, but walk us through VCSO Catalyst. What is it? Why is it? And what is its mission? So, so what is it? Really, it's a group of like-minded virtual CISOs, CISOs um, who uh, we either, either. kind of <laughs> came together. Yeah, yeah. Six of one, half a dozen the other, right? Uh, it kind of came together in the middle of the pandemic as a hey, we need somebody to talk to kind of thing. And it was a weekly Zoom meeting. Um, and it was just CISOs talking and about 
particular problems. And some of it was just socializing because everybody just wanted somebody to talk to them. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but from the beginning kind of saw that, you know, it could be a little bit more than that. And um, over the course of time, the first year or so, you know, we back scaled back a little bit. We were only doing every other week. Um, we were having people come in uh, to, to give talks. We were having vendors come in to do talks and whatnot. The community started to grow and take shape. Um, the, uh, the guy that originally organized everything, he had some personal issues. He had to back out. Um, and when he did, I kind of stepped up and tried to, to organize things. We had a board of directors at the time. Um, but, uh, you know, things being what they are, everybody being busy, the board kind of, uh, everybody kind of didn't have the time. Um, but I kind of kept pushing forward and pushing forward. And, um, just this year, January of this year, um, we finally uh, incorporated, um, we have an actual, uh, we, we incorporated as a, uh, as a public benefit corporation. Uh, we, we went through a couple of different iterations looking at, you know, for-profit, non-profit, uh, co-op, right? Um, all of them had different problems. Nobody wanted it to be for-profit. Uh, that just didn't feel right. Um, non-profit right. is just too hard, to be honest. Uh, it's a lot of work. To be a nonprofit, it's actually expensive to be nonprofit, which doesn't make any sense at all. Um, well, that's why they don't have a profit. <laughs> so. Exactly. Um, uh, but the uh, public benefit corporation, where you know the, the goal of the the board is to benefit the public versus benefit the stockholder, um, fit well. So so that's what we 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 incorporated as, and um, basically what we're doing right now is we still meet every uh, every other week. Um, we just recently started meeting. Uh, every week again, but um, there's one meeting at noon, and then on the alternative week, there is a meeting at four o'clock in the afternoon because not everybody can make a noon uh, Eastern time meeting. Um, hopefully, as we start to grow a little more, um, we'll have uh, opportunity to bring in some other people to, to host the calls, host the meetings, and uh, we can have some other times as well, maybe in different time zones as well, too. Um, but uh, the other big thing we have is we, we have a Slack channel as well uh and honestly while the uh the zoom meetings are great uh we do you know an open round table uh at least once a month which allows people to discuss whatever's on their mind or talk about different things and bring up uh, uh different problems uh not just cybersecurity problems entrepreneurial problems right most vcizos are small businesses absolutely uh, and a lot yeah. of us are you know struggle with the small business thing because to be honest, most of us are geeks, right? We, we know computers, we know security, these are our things, right? But running a business is challenging for us. But with the community, we're, we're able to, you know, well, how did you do this? Well, how did you do this? What product do you use? How do you do that? And uh, we get a lot of that, not just in those, uh, those round tables, but also on Slack. And being able to pop into Slack and ask a question about either a cyber issue or a business issue or ask for hints or tips or links or whatever, uh, and get a response usually in 15, 20 minutes from somebody is just an incredible benefit. Um, and uh, it's it's been a big help for me. I know several people um, that have been in, in the community have managed to uh, pick up jobs um, from the community. We've got a you know, this channel there just for job opportunities. Um, with the incorporation, we also uh, have the website now um, and we are starting to, to collect uh, membership dues and uh, accepting uh, donations as well to help fund it. Uh, right now, the, the goal of this year uh, is to find out if this can be a community funded project. Mm -hmm. uh, until 
this year, it's been kind of a Scott funded project. Um, there have been a few other people who have put in some money to help uh, cover some of the expenses of it. But um, uh, the idea is not to make a ton of money off of this thing, but just to cover the expenses of it from the community. And that's what the, um, the membership dues are to cover websites, Zoom costs, uh, and that sort of thing as well. So insurance, so that's always fun, right? Any um, any any vetting required for someone to want to join? Uh, no, not so much. Um, generally, it's um, uh, it's been word of mouth for the most part. You know, hey, uh, so and so, you should join this cattle this uh, pieces of catalyst, and uh, they recommend somebody. But uh, with the the website up now, uh, if you're a VCISO, join. There there is a questionnaire when you join uh, that asks you if you're a VCISO. Um, we the only thing we don't really want, and it's not that we don't want them, uh, one of our, our big goals with the community uh, is to maintain a neutrality for vendors. We, we, we pride ourselves as a vendor neutral space, right? Mm -hmm. So one thing we don't want is we don't want you to come in there and uh, feel like you can't talk about a particular product in a particular way, right? Maybe you don't like some product and you don't want to worry about the vendor jumping into the, the chat and going, hey, that's my product. Why are you saying that sort of thing, right? Um, right. So we, we kind of shy away from having vendors be a part of it. Right now, uh, the Slack is kind of um, wide open, but we are going to start bringing that in, uh, reining that in a little bit so that uh, uh, it's a little more controlled um, as far as like who's in which rooms and whatnot. Because we do have a couple of folks that are, they're security guys, um, but they're also vendors. Um, so that that's kind of a conflict in there. We're trying to work out how to manage that. Um, but that's but most of them we know because they've been a part of the community for some time as well. So, um, so you know, I found um, I, I've been managing off and on a LinkedIn group, the virtual CISO exchange um, that doesn't really have nearly as much traffic as Catalyst. Um, but uh, one of the things that I found is that it's OK to have salespeople and vendors in, but we just, as part of our charter, we just don't want to have self-promotion or salesy stuff right. because we get that all over the place. And so it seems like I'm spending more time um, killing posts, if you will, um, because they're, they're, they're obviously, I mean, some of them are like people who are VC, so they are constantly like advertising their services, for example. I'm like, well, you're kind of talking to an echo chamber here. It's like, we know you're out yeah. there and all that. And eventually it's like, uh, you know, have to get to the point of like, I'm sorry, you violated the charter three times. You're out of the group. So I, I understand all that to say that I understand the challenges there. And and uh, I, I know I have mentioned before about lending some of my help to Catalyst. And I, I need to be a little bit more intentional about that because it's been a very difficult finding the time and everybody has that issue. So I give you exactly. kudos exactly. for all that you've done to get this going. Um, I mean, in fact, you were talking about finding opportunities out there. A um, uh, Just recently through a colleague on Catalyst, uh, she was able to introduce me to another person that was able to fill a gig that unfortunately fell apart right at the last minute as far as contract negotiations go. But that sort of thing goes into play because from the virtual CISO perspective, finding folks to fill gigs, that's difficult as well, too. So that's one of the reasons exactly. why I like being a part of that as well. So, yep. well, oh, go ahead. No, you're saying 
about uh, having to bump people out. To date, so far, I think twice, I have had to call people aside and go, look, this is how we do things. Please don't do that. And I've never had to tell anybody twice so far. So, so I, far. I, that's, I, I applaud you. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if those two were probably the same that I had issues with on the other one, but, uh, but we'll just leave that alone. Um, so I know that having gone through some of that similar with the exchange, but certainly running a small business, I'm glad that you mentioned the fact that most VCSOs are small business owners in and of themselves, which makes them entrepreneurs, which is an additional layer of stress to just being in cyber in general. And we talk, oh, I know. And we talk about um, how it's very stressful in cyber alone as it is. So you can kind of compound it that way. So um, Scott, what's one of the things that you do to decompress from everything cyber related and entrepreneurial related? Audiobooks. I, I, I have found that, that audiobooks, they, I can do other things right? Driving, especially because I have two kids um, mm -hmm. and they're constantly needing to be taken somewhere. Um, uh, audiobooks help me disconnect from everything else, right? Because I, when I didn't have the audiobooks playing in my ear as I'm driving or walking the dog or doing chores around the house or mowing the yard or whatever, my brain would constantly wander across whatever problem was the most recent or the heaviest on me at the time, right? Mm -hmm. But just that little bit of uh, distraction, uh, it helps me relax. It does. And uh, it's, I, I don't think I've been listening to audiobooks like that for that reason um, for about a year and a half now. And it, for me, it has made a big difference. Um, and in audiobooks, it doesn't matter what the topic is, really. If it's, you know, obviously, it has to be marginally interesting to me. Um, science fiction, fantasy, whatever, comedy uh, always gets me going, too. So, yeah. you know, and, it's and podcast as well. Well, yeah, and I would recommend this one. Um, but uh, yeah, of course, of course. But uh, that's interesting because I always ask that question. And that's the first time I've had someone respond with audiobooks. And, and I can see that how it can, foster that that forced disconnect if you will from your mind because constantly going over and over and over um whatever the problem du jour is so i i, I like that idea mm -hmm. i might actually have to think i mean i do do podcasts but um i have not thought about audiobooks in some time i've done it before on long trips and that kind of helps like you know with the boredom um but that's a good one i like that so um, future plans, do you uh, plan to produce an audio book maybe? If I can get my wife to help me out with it, yeah. <laughs> my <laughs> wife is the writer, right? So she, uh, she does a lot of my editing and stuff like that. So I might be able to get her to write something for me and then we could turn it into an audio book. But uh, me and writing long things, we don't always get along so well. But uh, future plans, <laughs> um, probably... Yeah, the biggest thing really right now for me is uh, focusing on, on Catalyst and, and building that, right? Um, this, this first year, right, see if we can get there. And then uh, beyond that, right, if we can, if we can do that, what my vision, my ultimate vision there is to have a community that is kind of like uh, or more of an association, really, right? You think about um, dentists, doctors, right? They've got these associations that basically they're kind of like, uh, yeah, yeah, this guy's a good doctor. He's a member of this association. That's kind of what I want VCSO Catalyst to be, right? Um, client 
wants to uh, get a VCISO. They go to VCISO Catalyst and say, hey, uh, do you know this guy? Is he, he with you? Uh, because we've got our code of ethics, uh, which is mm-hmm. something else that uh, everybody has to, to, to acknowledge and abide by. Um, which uh, when we had a, a group, we had a, the group, the board, uh, about six people um, at the time. We all went through this thing uh, several different times. So the code of ethics, uh, I'm, I'm really solid with how, or happy with how it came out. Um, and I, I want that truly to be uh, the foundation for uh, the organization as far as how everyone in the organization works such that, again, you know, people can look to uh, members for Visas of Catalyst and say, yeah, these are stand-up people. They know what they're doing. This is the way they operate. This is how they uh, are on a day-to-day basis. And I can trust them, right? Because if you're hiring somebody for anything, it's, it's almost always about trust at some level. So mm-hmm. that association with Visas of Catalyst helps build that for the clients, which helps everybody in the end, right? Um, and beyond that, uh, there's lots of other services that we can provide if we can get big enough, right? Um, mm-hmm. Things that entrepreneurs generally have a hard time with, right? The, the biggest one that pops into my mind would be like health insurance, right? If we mm-hmm. could build a big enough group to where we could get health insurance for the entrepreneurs that are VCISOs, um, that would just be outstanding to me, right? Um, of course, all that is down the road a ways we've got to get a big enough membership to be able to do that sort of thing. So, um, so, so baby steps, um, what's the website? Uh, it's vcisocatalyst.org. Okay. I did. Just like it it sounds correctly. V-C-I-S-O. Yeah. V-C-I-S-O catalyst, C-A-T-A-L-Y-S-T.org. Yeah. If you have to think about it, then you're going to mess up the spelling. That's the way it seems to be with me. So, well, Scott, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a great conversation. Love what you're doing with Vicizo Catalyst, uh, however you pronounce it. Yeah, tongue tied over that. But uh, and I, I do need to, I need to make the uh, later meeting. And you said that the meetings on alternate weeks are twelve o'clock or four o'clock Eastern time, right? Right. And, and there is an events page on the site to let you know who's going to be there, when we're doing things and whatnot. And uh, I think it's out for the next two months or so now. So, okay. Well, um, perfect. Well, appreciate your time, Scott. Thank you for joining us. Craig, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. And everybody, stay secure. <laughs>